right. Hey, 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 hey. Welcome, everybody, to Let's Talk on Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Mr. Talk in the House. How y'all doing out there this wonderful Monday afternoon? Hope everybody's having a great day. And your weekend was wonderful as well. It's Labor Day. <laughs> yeah, so a lot of y'all don't have to work today. For those that have gone back to work, but, you know, that's neither here nor there at the moment, right? All right. All right, this is Let's Talk on Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Mr. Talk, and we have some good stuff for you today, man. Um, Yeah, yeah, we, we got a lot. We got some stuff for you today. We're going to be talking about the 1619 Project, and um, this seems to be a very controversial subject, you know, as far as should it be taught in schools? Um, the administration, current administration, has a problem with it, and they have their own desire for what should be taught in the school systems right now. And there has been a threat that uh, if this project is taught in the school as information, that they will be trying to um, defund the schools. This is interesting, to say the least. You know, and, and basically what we're talking about right here is a little history. That's what we're talking about, a little history. Um, the whitewashed version, the true version, um, and it's always interesting to know the to know that um, when you ever start talking about the truth or what many people consider to be the truth, there's always some kickback about it. And the question is, wonder why? <laughs> wonder why? But that's what we're going to talk about, and we're going to have us some fun today. Here we are. We're going to have some fun today. Um, Got two hours. Hopefully, if Law Talk don't decide to cut me off again, which has been going on the last couple of weeks shows, and I do apologize for that, but that's beyond my control. I don't know why I keep getting cut off, but it is what it is. We're going to keep pushing on. Beasley, I see you. Yeah, you ready? All right. I know you ready. <laughs> I want to hear what you have to say anyway. Um, so, with all that being said, um, let me tell you how you be a part of the show, because that would make the show uh, what it is your contributions and your comments and things like that. The easiest way is to give me a call at 347-838-8622. You can also email me at ericletsletstalk at gmail.com. Um, and the chat room is open at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash Mr. Talk. Yeah, all of that. All of that. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, with all that being said, of course, we, you know we got to give you a song of the day. And uh, I don't know. I'm just going to close my eyes and press a button here. And whatever song comes up, comes up. There's only going to be one, though, because I really want to get into this 1619 project. And uh, a couple of other things the president of this country has said in the last week or so. That's interesting, to say the least. All right, so without further ado, here's your song of the day. Think 
or depression may occur. Stay in your home. Curfew is at 7 p.m. sharp after work. Anyone caught outside the gates of their subdivision sectors after curfew will be shot. Remain calm. Do not panic. Your neighborhood watch officer will be by to collect urine samples in the morning. Anyone caught interfering with the collection of urine samples will be shot. Stay in your home. Remain calm. The number one enemy of progress is questions. National security is more important than individual will. All sports broadcasts will proceed as normal. No more than two people may gather anywhere without permission. Use only the drugs prescribed by your boss or supervisor. Shut up. Be happy. Obey all orders without question. The comfort you've demanded is now mandatory. Be happy. At last, everything is done for you.
me what you feel. Yeah, life is like a merry-go-round, ups and downs, stout plus. They don't really care about hey, yo, us. I'm living my life off the wall like Mike. Still trying to do the right thing like Spike. Alright, together we stand. Divided we fall. All I want to say is it really just is for all. Some things in life they just don't want to be. songs of the day that I'm talking about right there <laughs> if nothing else hopefully I got your head bobbing a little bit yeah all right welcome back to let's talk on blog talk radio I'm your host Mr. Talk in the house and we're gonna be talking about the 1619 project yes what is it why is there so much uh, uh, pushback against it you know and in the big picture what does it really mean I don't know. We don't know, but we're about to find out, aren't we? Of course we are. All right, so that's what we're talking about today. Once again, um, if you want to be a part of the show, you want to call in, talk to me, give me a, you know something that's on your mind concerning what we're talking about, easy, 347-838-8622 is the number. You can also email me, ericletslets, talk at gmail.com. And don't forget, the chat room is open at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash Mr. Talk. All right, I want to welcome Random Brain Activity in the chat room. Glad to have you with us today. Hey, you want to comment on something, feel free. All right? Okay. Now, without I be saying, let's get on with the get on. Um, by chance. Because this has happened to me in the last couple of weeks. I'm going to put this out there. By chance, the sound go out. Y'all can't hear me. Let me know, okay? Because um, I can hear myself in my in my headphones. But if you can't hear me, let me know. And we'll see what the problem is, okay? Thank you very much. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so now, with all that being said, let's get back to the get back. Um, yeah. Before we get to talking about the 1619 Project, um, there's some other things that came out this this week or weekend that's a little disturbing, and that's the president um, visit uh, overseas during um, what was that thing he was he was doing um, memorials for D Day, yeah, and apparently there's some 
anonymous sources which say the president basically called those individuals losers and suckers, you know, because it was raining real bad and he really didn't want to go. He didn't go because of that. And then he came out and said, Well, he did he didn't want he was he felt so bad about it that he called his wife at the White House to talk to her about it. But unfortunately the reason why that doesn't jive because she was with him at the time. So believe what you will. Now, to further um, put this in perspective, it's not so far-fetched to, to not believe that he did say this. I mean, just think about all the different uh, comments he's made throughout his presidency regarding countries uh, that he really didn't like or didn't want to have nothing to do with um, in derogatory terms. So, yeah, you kind of can believe he did say it. Of course, you know, right now the White House is, is um, on damage control, so they're trying to do everything they can, not only to make that story move on, but to deflect and throw everything back on uh, uh, Vice President Biden, which is his opponent in the presidential race. Which is, okay, that's the, the political game they play. That's what they do. And when I say that, I mean all politicians would have anytime anything negative come out, they have to find something to deflect or to get the narrative changed on. Now, being a veteran myself, I find that very, I don't know who used that word. I think it stinks that he would say something like that, um, especially for someone that avoided going into military service himself because of some bone spurs in his foot, um, supposedly. <laughs> and it sucks, man. It, it really does. It's sorry. It's sorry. Look, just going to be a man like you say you are. They say, look, it was raining. I didn't want to get my hair messed up, so I didn't go. Yeah, you're going to catch flack about it, but I think you'd be much more respected if you went ahead and told the truth about it than just to go out there and, and, and make up some crazy lines that can be actually proven to be not true. All right? Now, as far as this anonymous person or persons, you know, with, with that being said, you know, we do know in, in the political game there's a lot of anonymous sources and anonymous you know, people speaking anonymously because they're not supposed to talk about it in, in period, period, you know, things of that nature. Um, and, yeah, it would be nice to know who actually gave this information, who said it, what have you. But given the track record of this administration and this president in particular, let's be honest, um, <laughs> I don't know if I want my name out there because you know he he's known for retaliation. This administration is is really known for retaliation. So if you were to go out there and say, "Yeah, I said it," no telling what what would be taken. Especially if you happen to work for within the administration itself, you know you're good and fired. Hopefully, a lot of them be fired here in November anyway. But you know, so just because this was said anonymously. Okay, whatever. Whatever. You can put some weight in that if you want to, or you don't have to. Either or. But what I'm looking at is the history of statements that have been made by this president over the time in office regarding uh, countries that he felt were beneath uh, America or beneath him, basically. 
the people. So, yeah. And with him dodging the military service himself, yeah, he probably do think they, they're suckers and losers and what have you. And then the attack John McCain. John McCain dead, man. He's been dead a couple of years at least. Oh, that that's 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 tacky. That's that's really tacky and pitiful. Uh, you know. Be the be the, the superstar you say you are and just gonna be yeah, I said it. You know. Okay. I mean, many people can't think any worse of you than we you know already do. <laughs> East Coast, what's up, man? How you doing? Um, so yeah, that's that's where I'm at with that right now. You know, um, he did a little, I don't know what that thing was, supposed to be in the press conference and tried to turn it into more to a, a, a rally than anything this afternoon. And, of course, you know, he went on and on about, you know, the great things his administration done and what he's going to do, when, you know. <sighs> we, we, we heard it all before, right? We've heard it all before. Um. But have you noticed, though, anytime he does any of these, these um, briefings, rallies, or what have you, have anyone, has anyone noticed there's one thing he does not talk about anymore, and that's that border wall? You know, the one that he really had big plans to make Mexico pay for and all the new wall he was going to build? Yeah, that just didn't work out for him, did it? And like any smart person running for office, you know, if I made that one of my main campaign um, uh, uh, models and then it doesn't happen, yeah, I wouldn't mention it either. <laughs> but it's amazing that nobody in the press is bringing it up, not even um, Biden or Harris now. Um, they're not bringing it up. Somebody should bring it up. Ask what happened. Ask what happened. In, in, in reality, only five miles of new, listen to what I'm saying, five miles of new border wall has been built. Five miles, that's it. The rest the rest of it has been replacing old dilapidated parts of the wall, which when he kept saying that, I said, why do that when that's all you have to do? Go back and replace what is broken or what needs to be replaced. You've been better off saying that. But then to make the, the, the claim that Mexico was going to pay for it, yeah, that was a little far-fetched. Yeah. And, and, of course, we know Mexico ain't paying for us. It's not going to pay for it whatsoever. Can't blame them, can you? <laughs> so, yeah, those those are some of the things that, that's happening right now. And, you know, as much as I try, and, and those that have listened to my show, that y'all know I try and, and be as neutral and, and fair as I can. But the more I try, the more this cat just, just just messes things up. I mean, really. You know, today he was standing there talking about NATO and how he got us out of all these packs that were so bad. Yeah, but you caused a whole lot of damage when you did it, knucklehead. You did. Caused a whole lot of nonsense. And, you know, it's one thing to, to, to brag on something that was a success. But to brag on something that was just that created nothing but chaos? No, no, no. But yeah, there's not enough. You don't have enough cojones to go back and correct it now because that's who this guy is. Yeah, that's who he is. And that's who we have as the leader of this country right now. 
Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> just thought I'd bring that out. You know, just thought I'd bring that out. Um, let's see what else was was talked about here over the last week. Oh, a plane full of uh, thugs and and looters and rioters got off got off in, in Washington D.C. Uh, yeah, to, to create chaos in the cities. Well, once again, after going back checking, reading, and doing a little research, that was not quite true. Okay, yes, there was a plane load of uh, of individuals. Okay, going to Washington D.C. Yes, they had on Black Lives Matter. So, you know that word that gets everybody all upset. Um, shirts and things of that nature, but they were going to the March on Washington. That's where they were going. Now, of course, you had a representative, Nunez, who happened to be on that flight, and that's where that report came from. So instead of saying, you know, what it really was, they used the narrative, twisted it around, and said, plane loads of black thugs and, and, and looters and rioters were getting off of planes. Plane loads. Yeah. So once again, once again, there it is right there. There it is. Anything to, to put a negative negative connotation on this movement that's going on across the country. But the question is why? Why fight uh, um, change so bad? Why? why? Why go through this? It's got to happen eventually. Wouldn't you think it has to happen? But then again, that's just my opinion. That's my opinion. A lot of people are happy with the status quo. They're happy with what it is, with the the falsehood that everything in this country is peachy keen, peaceful, and wonderful, and everybody gets along, which I'm not not saying that's not the case. Because I've given numerous examples where People do get along in this country. Sporting events, um, military for the most part, because you know you got to watch out each other's back whether you like them or not. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's there is some unity. However, you know when it comes to certain parts of this country, especially when it comes to the justice system, things like that, things ain't all that great. Things are not all that great. Um, and I really don't care what your ethnicity is. Um, you, if you open your eyes, you can see it. You can see it. It's the little tiny things. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just the little tiny things. But anyway, so those are some of the, the quick, quick snaps that were going on um, here over the last week. And, you know, they just... You have to read everything now with with skepticism. You know what I mean? You just have to look at it and say, yeah, okay, all right, here we go again. Yeah, go and let me go and look this up for myself. Because you really just can't believe what anyone is saying anymore. And that's a sad thing. That's a sad thing. You know, it doesn't matter what, what um, news outlet you're looking at. We all know they spend things to make it um, acceptable to their listeners. Whoever that is, you know, if you're reading stuff off social media, oh man, it's just terrible. You have so many sites coming off. People be quoting so many sites, and you look at it, and it's like satire sites or strictly conservative sites. You know, and you just look at it, and you're like, 
how can you not realize that this is slanted in a certain direction for you to get for you to uh, react a certain way? You know, Americans. Was, oh man, we we have some issues. <laughs> we really do. We have some issues, but it's okay. Hopefully, one day we'll get through it. We'll get through it. Uh, it just takes a little reading and a little understanding and an open mind. You know, maybe that's the other problem. We have too many closed mind individuals running the country or just greedy people trying to get their money. Yeah. Trying to get that green dollar. That's not really worth anything. But that's another story for another day. That it is. All right. So let's talk about the 1619 project. Um, it's very interesting. And I think what really brought it to my attention is the the pushback that this administration is is throwing at, at at this so-called project? You know, and you keep hearing, you keep hearing, and you're like, "What is this thing? What is this?" Um. Well, it's it's a retelling of history, basically. Um, as I mentioned before. You know, growing up, I don't know, I didn't know how old y'all are, but you know, I was in school during the seventies, you know, eighties, and uh, um, <laughs> you know, we were taught certain things in school. And as I've gotten older, I've learned that a lot of the things that I was taught just weren't true, or half truths, or just straight out lies, or some of it just was omitted completely, and. Today is 2020, and as this generation is coming about, more information is coming out, coming out about the, the role African Americans played in the building of this country. And as that comes out, there's more pushback, and more people are saying, yes, let's get it into our schools. Let's begin to teach the real truth, not just the whitewash version. Let's teach the whole thing. So, that's where we're, and that's basically what the 1619 project is. Um, it, it started out as a issue of a special issue of the New York Times Magazine, okay, and uh, that marked the 400th anniversary of the arrival of the first enslaved Africans to Jamestown, Virginia, okay, uh, with a series of essays, images, stories, and poems that challenged readers to reframe their understanding, reframe their understanding. Of U.S. history by considering 1619 as the start of this nation's story. Okay, um, and that is what um, basically is about. And I'm gonna play a clip here with the young lady. Her name is uh, Nicole Hannah Jones, and she's the one who who wrote the, uh, the story and who's pushing for this. And she's going to go ahead and. Um, She's going to explain it to the best of her ability. Um, but before we do, let's talk about what the administration has, has said about this, this thing here. Um, this Trump threatens to investigate and pull federal funding from schools that teach um, 1619 Project on the consequences of slavery. President Trump on Thursday, on Sunday, said he would call on the Department of Education to investigate whether schools were teaching the New York Times 1619 Project. That centers on American history told through the lens of black Americans beginning when slaves were brought to the Virginia colony in the year 1619. 
Trump threatened to strip federal funding from schools that used the Pulitzer Prize winning work. Um, two days after the president announced the federal government will ban anti-racism training that used critical race theory. Yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about that in a little bit also. Supposedly, California has implemented the 1619 Project into public schools, um, and he says soon you won't recognize America. Um, it's, uh, he also went on to say it aims to reframe the country's history by placing the consequences of slavery and the contributions of black Americans at the very center of our next national narrative. And he didn't say that. That was the lady said. Um, in May, New York Times Magazine reporter Nicole Hannah-Jones was awarded the Pulitzer Prize for commentary for her work on the 1619 Project. Yeah. Um, <laughs> of course, as I said, there has been some pushback, and some historians have expressed concerns over their belief that there are factual inaccuracies within the project. Um, yeah. Let's see what else. Uh, the president's Sunday announcement also comes two days after Friday announced that he directed federal agencies to cease anti-racism training that involved critical race theory. The theory, according to Britannica, centers around the idea that race is a social construct used by white people to further their economic and political interests at the expense of minority groups. Okay? Now, He's, he's ordered federal federal agencies to stop doing that kind of training. Okay, no, we don't want you to, to even talk about that. <laughs> yeah, uh, General, I mean General Senator Tom Cotton in July introduced legislation legislation to prevent schools from teaching the curriculum. Curriculum, yeah, and of course nobody really paid him any attention at the time when he did that. Uh, so. That's the, that is the pushback. Now, of course, you know, as, as far as the curriculum, there's a whole lot of stuff, uh, you know, I, I I try and download and, and, and print stuff out so I can share it with y'all here on the show. Um, there's a whole, there's a, a lot of stuff here as far as curriculum that um, can be used and is very interesting. So at least we'll, we'll get to some of those in a minute. Um, but before I go any further... I confuse any more of y'all out there. Let's go ahead and listen and hear um, Nicole Hannah Brown, Hannah Jones, I'm sorry, as she goes ahead and explains exactly what is the 1619 Project. Welcome to The Daily Show. Thank you. And congratulations on creating and working with a group of people on a project that has gone on to become more than just a moment, but rather a rethinking of America's history Let's start with the why behind this. I mean, history seems like it has been written. So why try and write it again? Well, history has been written, but uh, it's been written to tell us a certain story. And uh, the 1619 Project is trying to reframe that story. And it's really about uh, the ongoing legacy of slavery. We've been taught that slavery was a long time ago. Mm -hmm get over it, which is something nearly every black person in this country hears at some mm -hmm. point. And the 1619 Project is really saying that uh, slavery was so foundational to America and its institutions that we are still suffering from that legacy now, and it's exploring the many ways that we, that we still are. 
it's interesting that you've chosen the year 1619 because many people would say, but this was before America existed. You know, why not start at America's founding and then not include the years before when this was a colony and Virginia and Britain were involved? So why do you choose that point? And why do you argue, more importantly, that on the 14th, you say on the 400th anniversary of this fateful moment, it is finally time to tell our story truthfully? Yes, so it's funny because this year is also the 400th anniversary of the Mayflower. Yet no one argues that we shouldn't learn about the Mayflower because that predates the United States. We know that that was an important moment. Um, I would argue that the White Lion, which was a ship that arrived a year earlier carrying enslaved Africans, was far more important to the American story uh, than 1620, than the Mayflower. So. No, America hadn't yet formed, but Virginia was the first colony. Our institutions would come out of the 13 colonies, mm -hmm. uh, our legal system, our cultural system, our political system, and certainly the anti-black racism that we still struggle with is born at that moment. When you, when you start off in this magazine, there's a, there's a really beautiful passage in the beginning where you talk about your personal journey and, and how you struggled with your relationship with America as a country. And, and it's a really beautiful tale you tell about growing up um, you know, on the land where so many people had died and toiled as, as enslaved people. You also talk about how your father was a proud American and how you didn't understand how he could be proud to be American when America seemed to be against him in spite of everything that he did. Yes. How, how did you reconcile that or, or did working through this project change your view on, on how to be American or on how not to be American? Yeah, absolutely working on the project changed my perspective on my father. Um, I opened the piece talking about how my dad, who was born in apartheid Mississippi, mm -hmm. uh, flew this flag in our front yard on this giant flagpole. And he was one of the only black people I knew who flew a flag in their yard, and I was deeply embarrassed by that. Um, but as I started researching for this project, and my essay is really about how black Americans have had this pivotal role of actually turning the United States into a democracy, I got that he understood something that I didn't, that um, no one has a right to take away our citizenship and our rights to think of ourselves as American because so much of what uh, black people have done is what has built this very country that we get to live in today. What do you, what do you mean specifically when you say that? Because that, that, was, that was an idea that I don't think I had fully thought about before I read this magazine, was the concept that America's foundation was a lie in that it, it was a group of promises that weren't that weren't fulfilled, you know, to, to both people of color and to women in many respects. And and what you argue in this magazine is that black people basically had the job of making it a truth. What, what, what did you mean by that? Absolutely. So when Thomas Jefferson writes those famous uh, English words, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, uh, he owns 130 human beings at that time, including some of his own family members. And he understands that uh, one-fifth of the population will enjoy none of those rights and liberties. So we are founded on a hypocrisy, on a paradox. Mm -hmm. But black people read those words and said, oh, we're going to believe that these words are true and apply to us and fight. Again and again, we see them fighting at the revolution. The first person to die uh, for this country was a black na man named Christopher Addicts who wasn't free. We see that happening uh, with the abolitionist movement, largely led by black Americans. We see that happening at the Civil War with the Reconstruction Amendments. And of course, the Civil Rights Movement, which brings the franchise to large segments of uh, America for the first time. Right. So so we, we said we were founded as a democratic republic, but most Americans could not vote at the time of the Constitution. Uh, but thanks largely to black resistance and freedom struggles, we are as close to a multiracial democracy uh, as we've ever been. It's, it's, a, it's a really beautiful story in that, in that it's told not through the lens of anger, but rather through the lens of 
collecting stories. You know, it's 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 the fact. That goes a little story. angry. A little angry. A little, oh, a little it, doesn't, angry. it doesn't it doesn't feel like okay, anger so much as it feels like a truth. <laughs> yeah. You know? What 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 it has sparked though is is a, a fight over history and how the history is told. Yes. You know, once this magazine came out, there were there were many historians who who you know came after you and said, no, this is this is incorrect. The primary reason that America sought its independence from Britain was not because they wanted to maintain slavery; it was because of taxation without representation. It it wasn't the primary cause. Why do you think there's such a resistance to slavery being one of the primary causes of America breaking away from Britain? Because we need to believe as a country that uh, our founding was pure. That yes. You know, we had some troubles, including um, holding 500,000 people in bondage. Mm -hmm. um, but that largely we were a nation founded to be exceptional and these uh, majestic ideas. And that our founders, uh, though complicated men, were men who were righteous. But when you argue um, that our founders were, many of them, very hypocritical and that you can't just simply overlook the mm -hmm. fact that slavery was a motivation in some of the colonies. Yes, taxation was a motivation, but also uh, the ability to keep making a lot of money off of human bondage. Right. That is very unsettling, uh, not just to the average American, but to historians who have seen their job as protecting that founding narrative. The difference is, you know, when you're black in this country, you don't have the luxury of pretending that that history didn't exist. And right. what that history has done is really marginalized our story um, when really the story of black people and slavery is central to the uh, United States. When you, when you worked through this project, there are new pieces of information you discover. There, there are stories that you find were never told that need to be told. And I know you can't write about everything, but I was interested in whether or not you would think that other countries who are involved in slavery get off easier than the United States because the one thing they did differently to America as we know it is that they sort of outsourced slavery. You know, if you think about whether it was the Americas or Spain or many of these other colonial nations, their slaves were in yes. the countries and then they left those countries and were like, we're done with slavery, but they also don't have to deal with the people they enslaved, whereas America has an interesting relationship where you have to deal with the people because they're still here. So not to, not, just, not to feel sorry for America, but do you think there's also a reckoning that should happen in this way in Europe, maybe? Oh, for sure. All the colonial powers need to have a reckoning, and reckoning also needs to happen on the continent of Africa. But I, I think the fundamental difference is, too, yes, uh, slavery occurred in the bounds of the country that would become America. Right. Um, but also, of those Colonial powers, America is the only country that was founded on the idea of individual rights and liberty. Interesting. That was founded on the idea of God-given inalienable rights. Um, none of those other European, I mean, these were monarchies. They weren't founded on the idea that every person had equal rights, but we were. So that hypocrisy really matters. And, um, of course, I argue that that hypocrisy is why we have struggled so much to get over and address the issue of slavery, because it forces us to acknowledge this lie at our founding. Before you go, one of the main questions many people may have, and you see this unfortunately all too often, is people saying, why do you have to keep trudging this up? Can't we just move on? It's been 400 years now. Can't we just move on? What do you hope would be sparked by the conversations that come from a magazine that delves into slavery like this? What, what, do, you, what do you want someone who sits at home and says, they go, Nicole, I'm, I'm white and I, I had nothing to do with this and I don't know what you want me to do. What would you hope people take away? Uh, that's a great question. Let me just say, for the record, nobody wants to get over slavery more than black folks. Uh, it is not... <laughs>
it's not to our benefit, right? So the, the fact that our nation can't get over slavery has not benefited black people for a single day. But that's the problem. We've never dealt with the harm that was done. I'm 43 years old, and my father was born into a Mississippi where black people couldn't vote, black people couldn't use public facilities. That was all perfectly legal. We're not far removed from this past at all. And there's never been uh, any effort to redress that harm. So what I hope that people will take from the magazine, every single story in the magazine starts with America today mm -hmm. and shows how these things about American life that you think are unrelated to slavery actually are. And I hope by confronting that truth, maybe we can finally start to repair the harm that was done and then finally uh, start to live up to be the country of our ideals. It's a fantastic job, fantastic magazine. Really wonderful having you on the show. Thank, Thank you. you so much. To learn more about this beautiful, amazing story, go to NewYorkTimes.com slash 1619. That's NYTimes.com slash 1619. Nicole Hannah-Jones, everybody. All right, there it is. And there you have the person who promoted herself, <sighs> Nicole Hannah-Jones. And she's talking about the 1619 Project, what it means and why she wrote it. And you know what? She made some very good points. She made some very, very good points in there. And um, for those that may have missed a little bit, you can go and find that interview um, on um, YouTube. Okay? Um, yeah. Now, but, you know, she said something you know, that was very, very interesting. It says, why can't we move on from this? That's what um, the host asked. So why can't we move on from this? And it's interesting, the reason why we cannot move on from it, because nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody wants to put the truth out there. Every time it's brought up, they try and kill it. They try and, and smooth it over or just throw your bone here and there and then let, let it go away. So with this, um, having the opportunity of being taught in the schools, you know, that, that, that creates a whole other animal in itself that um, some people just don't like. Um, and one of the people, speaking of people, the president, um, president said in his next administration, he, he wants the schools to teach American exceptionalism, which is one of two educational goals that he lists as on his second term, fighting for you. Yeah. Now, he said this during his, um, what that thing was, convention? Yeah, the convention. Now, it's more to what he said. Now, y'all listen to this. Um, he went on to say the nation must restore patriotic education in schools as a way to claim un the calm unrest in cities and counter lies about racism in the United States. So if that's not saying, hey, forget all this other stuff, forget all the bad stuff we've done to you. Now, what we need to do is teach everybody to be Rob, rob, rob about the United States. Don't be talking about what happened in the past. Don't be talking about all the negative things we've done to people of color and other minorities because right now that doesn't matter. That's why the 1619 Project is so important. That is why. Um, he went on to say that um, he blamed the violent protests in Portland, Oregon, and other cities in recent months on left-wing indoctrination in schools and universities. See, let's be honest. Let's be honest here. That's that's nothing but uh, 
nice, nasty way of saying, look, y'all keep talking about the slavery and what we did, and we ain't done nothing to y'all. Y'all got what you deserve. Shut up. Do what you're supposed to do and keep going. That's all that's saying. And quit listening to all these other people that's trying to educate you and bring light to a, to a subject that has been um, boiling over for, for years. We gave y'all the civil rights movement. We let you vote. We let you play in our, our, our sports leagues. What else you want? You ought to be happy with that. Yeah, that's basically what he's saying here. Many young Americans have been fed lies about America being a wicked nation plagued by racism. That is not a lie. <laughs> you know, that is not a lie. It's the truth. Anytime a person of color has to sit down and talk to their children, especially their sons, about how to act when you you get stopped by law enforcement or anybody, militia or whatever, yeah, there's a problem there. But this administration is saying, yeah, no, it's not. And we shouldn't be teaching that in schools. And that's wrong. Now, this is what he, he, he figures needs to be done to make this work. Children must be taught that America is an exceptional, free, and just nation worth defending, preserving, and protecting. Now, you know what that sounds like? Let's be honest. You know what that sounds like? That sounds like something North Korea, have your children taught in school, uh, China, even Russia, you know, hell, the great America. No, no, no. That's not what's supposed to happen. That's not what this country was founded on. And that's what the young lady is saying. No, that is not what should be going on now. This, you know, you want us, you want that to be taught in school. I mean, how many years have we been indoctrinated already into that kind of thinking? And that kind of thing, like she said, her dad used to put the flag up outside and she used to be embarrassed. You know, she used to be embarrassed. Think about that. You know, it's one of those things that everybody want to overlook. Yeah, modern-day slavery. That's that's exactly what we are, modern-day slavery. Now, slavery was abolished by the 13th Amendment, except for everywhere and where? Prisons. And who was the most incarcerated ethnicity in America? Duh, duh, duh. Y'all get it? Y'all get it? But see, that's not being taught. That's not being expressed because you have individuals like our administration that wants to shut that down. They want to shut it down. Um, <laughs> he went on to say, The only path to unity is to rebuild a shared national identity focused on common American values and virtues of which we have plenty, he said. This includes restoring patriotic education in our nation's schools where they are trying to change everything that we have learned. Listen to that last part. They are trying to change everything we have learned. You get it, right? They cannot. This, this. If they start teaching the truth in schools, 
then it will be found out that a lot of our history that we have been taught or told is nothing but a lie. It's nothing but a lie. All these so-called great uh, uh, inventors, no, they didn't invent what they said they invented. They stole a lot of the the, the, the uh, inventions, discoveries. They stole that and used it for themselves. So, what do you do? Okay, let's say we gonna make we gonna go ahead and force them to do the patriotic thing in school. But as far as this new 1619 project that's going to tell about slavery and who built New York and why Wall Street is called Wall Street, and it has nothing to do with money for those that didn't know. Okay? It's called Wall Street because that's where slaves were sold at in New York. Did you learn something then? But anyway, um, yeah. See, that's the stuff they don't want you to talk about. That's the stuff they don't want you to know. And in time it's brought up, there's always pushback behind it. Always. Always. And of course, you know, this administration, as, as they do, you know, what do they do? They, they blame everything on the left. The left. It's the left's fault. You know, propaganda. No. This country has been feeding these its citizens propaganda for years and years and years. For years. And it's time to change it now. It really is. It's time to tell the truth. Time to teach the truth. Not what you consider the truth, but what the real truth is. This country ain't never been teaching I mean, you know, to the point to where everything was perfect. Let's, let's, let's not um, go that route. We know this. But to let them tell it, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 1619 Project. 1619 Project. Let's talk about this. Um, <laughs> you know, and, um, you know, it's, it's full of, if you want to find it, like I say, like you said, New York's Time um, Magazine, um, you can go to the Pulitzer Center, and they have a lot of interesting things. But they actually have a, a teaching curriculum guideline for the schools as well. Now, why he want to attack um, California? Well, we know he's the president has always had a problem with California since he took office, right? But if California is teaching the 1619 project, good for them, good for them, and maybe it'll spread. But some of the uh, things that we talked about, oh yeah, we we got it all right here, y'all. Um. Yeah. Here's some of the questions that can be asked, you know, in the curriculum as far as education programming. You know, how do societal structures develop to support the enslavement of black people and the anti-black racism that was cultivated in the U.S. to justify slavery influence many aspects of modern laws, policies, systems, and culture? Now, that's just one of the questions. And it's just for the students to go and check out, you know, research and find out on own. Think about, think a little bit, you know, find the truth. And we've always talked about 13th Amendment. Yeah, that was great. That was great. 13th Amendment. They always talk about 13th Amendment. But they failed to 
they'll say that little part of that, that slavery is still here. Slavery hasn't gone anywhere. If you go to prison, you are slave. Period. Period. You know, the chain gangs and all that? Yeah, that's why. Because you're still a slave. Now, if they really want it in, they should take it out altogether. Wouldn't you think? But no, once you get to go behind the bars, you become a slave. <laughs> wow. You know, um, how have resistance, innovation, and advocacy by black Americans over of American history and democracy? That's question number two. How has resistance, innovation, and advocacy by black Americans over the course of American history contributed to the nation's wealth and the strengthening of this democracy? Because the slaves were the ones who planted and, and picked the cotton and the tobacco and things. They showed these the, the, these Europeans coming from England and all these other places how to do this. They had no knowledge of that. They, didn't, they had no knowledge. They didn't know what they were doing. They didn't know what they were doing. Now, yeah, it's going to get a little, little, little tight in here for a minute. You know, you don't you, you, you talk bad about these these people of color, but yet those are the ones that, that your babies was was suckling on the nipple of the, of the black nanny. Think about it. Let's talk about this thing, man. Come on. Right? Your white husband was sneaking out there in the middle of the night and raping black slaves. Right? Come on, man. Let's talk about this. See, this is, yeah, it's a little uncomfortable. People are like, uh-uh. No, this is what needs to be talked about. Get it out there. You keep whitewashing it, and this mega make America great again. Yeah. To a lot of people, that is when America was great. <laughs> yeah, that's when America was great. Hmm. You know, you look at this, and you're like, wow. You know, and not to mention New York. Everybody think New York just popped up. No, slaves helped build New York. See, they're not going to tell you that part either because they don't want you to know that. Yeah. Africans built the infrastructure, the roads, fortification, the churches, houses, the docks. They cleared the fields and dredged the harbors. That's who did that. But you don't want to talk about that. Because that 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 puts a whole different twist on what you thought really happened. And we can't have that. That's why you got to do this. What what the president called patriotic education jump? Yeah. Ra 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 ra. No. Well, let's let's keep keep going here. Let's keep going here, you know. And, and here's another thing, and I, I, I you know, <laughs> you know, we, every Juneteenth 
everybody start talking about uh, um, Lincoln and and the Emancipation Proclamation and so forth and so on. But let me tell you, let me tell you, let me tell you, let me tell you, let me tell you. All right, Lincoln did not free any slaves. Okay, he didn't do it because the slaves he supposedly freed were not part of the Union. They had they had seceded from the Union. The Emancipation Proclamation was a political ploy by Lincoln to appease the North and the South. That's what that was. It was political. He had Lincoln himself <laughs> said it. Basically, he would keep slavery in, 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 if he had the choice. But his political hands were tied. They're not going to teach you that as either. They don't want you to know that. That's, that's, that disrupts the narrative that America has always been great. Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Hmm. You know, and here's something from, from um, 1619 Project. It says, questions to consider before exploring the 1619 Project. How did you first learn about the history of slavery in the U.S.? What did you learn? And how was that information pre- presented? Now, I'm going to say it for me. As far as me, you know, you heard about slavery, but you know, back back in the seventies, what have you? You really didn't think about it. But I think for me, it really took hold when the movie Roots came out. I think that's was that really was my first introduction to what slavery was really about in the United States. I don't know about the rest of y'all, but I'm just saying that for me. You know, so that's how I would answer that question. You know, it opened my eyes. Made me mad, but yeah. Um, hmm. Let's see. Question two. What do you see as the lasting legacy of slavery in the United States, in the U.S.? <laughs> they gotten smarter at hiding it. Because of the propaganda that has been taught throughout the years. That's all. They've got, they just have got smarter hiding it. Now, I know some people say, well, Mr. Talk, that's not right, because you're free to do what you want. Yeah, I am. I am. Up to a certain extent. And not because, um, well, let's be honest, it's because the, 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 the skin tone, my skin tone. And, and the problem is, people act like it doesn't exist. It exists, people. Now, I'm not saying everybody, everywhere, but it's still there. And that's the problem right now. Nobody wants to admit that it's still there. It is. It's still there. And those that live by that great code of racism, they've gotten better at hiding it. But they still participate in it. Ah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. 
See, that's why the 1619 Project can't be taught in school. Because it's going to open up too many minds. It's going to open up too many eyes as to what really went on in this country. Yeah. Let's see. What else they got on here? Um, what do you know about the contributions of black Americans to U.S. society? And where does that information come from? <laughs> see? Once again, and we talk about this every February, do we not? We talk about this every February, quote-unquote Black History Month. Yeah, Martin Luther King Jr., you got Malcolm X, uh, let's see, who else? Madam C.J. Walker, uh, Rosa Parks, let's see, who else? Mm, those, are, those are the ones that's, that's really, really known. Yeah. Those the ones that know. And that's all they want you to know. They don't want you to know about the one that the, the one that um the, the doctor, the black doctor that did the first open heart surgery. They don't want you to know about him. Because at that time blacks weren't considered to be that smart. So they can't tell you that. I can't think of his name right now. The guy that that, that, that uh, designed Washington D.C., Chicago, traffic lights. They don't want you to know about that because that once again taints the history that you have been taught, and it changes everything. Yeah, you know the 1619 Project. I think it should be taught in schools. I really do, and I hope it gets there. Yeah, it's going to be a fight, though. It is, it's going to be a fight. And the questions I'm reading you are some of the questions that, you know, they have online for teachers or instructors, you know, that, that want to use it in their classes as part of their curriculum. Referring to the text of the Declaration of Independence, answer, answer the following questions. What are the values stated in the Declaration of Independence? In what ways can you see those values working in contemporary American life? In what ways can you see them failing? How was the interpretation of those values changed over time? Who is responsible for creating those changes? Start to make you think, man. It makes you think. Make you go and read. Find some stuff out. And here we are in 2020. We have protests going on. Protests going on. About some of this same stuff right here. That's supposed to have been in the Declaration of Independence that granted every man was equal, even though at this time uh, people of color were not considered human, all, all the way human. So, you know, there was hypocrisy there already. A lot of the people who signed it, they were slave owners, right? Right. Now, for you historians, yes, I know there are some blacks that own slaves, okay? I'm going to put that out there now. Yeah, I know that. So, before you go to yelling that at me, I just thought I'd going to throw that out there, okay? But, yeah. The 1619 Project is... It's a good thing. It's time for it. 
just like the protest that's going on now, and regardless of what this president says, you know, he, he he's an idiot. I'm just going to say it. He's an idiot, okay? You know, he wants to blame it on the Democratic governors, the mayors, whatever. Whatever. People just tired. People of color just tired of being mistreated, tired of being killed, tired of being uh, treated crazy for walking down the street in a park grilling. Come on now. Uh, some of you call it barbecuing. They're tired of it. They're tired of it. And instead of, and see, here's, here's the thing. <laughs> and this flows right into the 1619 project. Instead of embracing it and trying to encourage the change and stop it, they find problems with the term Black Lives Matter. Just to twist the narrative all around. Just like the president did with this right here. Now he wants he wants the federal he wants education, the federal government to defund the school systems that decide to teach the sixteen nineteen project. Because he doesn't and you know the problem with that whole thing is let me go to that you know the problem with the whole thing is I don't think he's smart enough to know what this what it's talking about anyway, because you know he he hasn't read it. I'm just going to say that they cut me off again, they cut me off again. He's a dumb one. He is. He's a dumb one. He barely can read the telephone, okay? <laughs> yeah, my neutrality gone because he's a dumb one. So instead of sitting down and, and trying to understand it, he just comes out and, and throws shade at it. Just like the, 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 the protesting thing. Yeah, we know there's some people there that that that's uh, 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 doing looting and stuff like that, but that's the only thing they focus on. They're not focusing on the reason why all this protesting is going on. They're not focusing on change needs to happen. That's not what they're talking about. They're more worried about the slogan "Black Lives Matter." Yeah. They were about athletes taking knees. Yeah. They were about professional basketball players and WNB players and all the sports leagues boycotting. Not the reason they're boycotting, just because they boycotted didn't play. And they did it as a group. And the bad part about it, there are others out there that is right, right along with that mentality. That train of thought. And some of them right there on your, um, your, 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 your social media feeds. You see it. It's not difficult. You see it. I see it as well. And honestly, I, you know, I used to, I used to respond, try and, you know, point facts out, what have you. But you know the sad part about it is it's not they don't they just don't care. They believe what they believe and that's the way it's gonna be. And that's the problem with this country right now. That's why we are going through what we're going through right now. Because everybody, well not everybody, a lot of the individuals want us to stay the status quo. That's it. Let everything be fine, just like this. We're good. 
You can eat in the restaurants with us. You can go to church with us, some of you. <laughs> yeah. But yet you have a president up there that it continues, continues to push hatred, divisiveness, and yet they still support him. But these same individuals quick to tell you, well, you know, I got some black friends. So it makes you wonder, what do they say about their so-called black friends or people of friends of color when they're not around them? You know, think about it. You had this 17-year-old kid come across, come across state line with a weapon looking for trouble, looking to shoot someone. And then you had these clowns come through with trucks, spraying people, shooting people with paintballs. Have you heard them condemned yet? And the reason why I'm bringing it up because this all falls into what the 1619 Project is about. The systematic racism, dictatory, whatever you want to call it, in this country. And you see it. You're seeing it now firsthand. Well, all those that never thought about it, they'll see something like that. You see it now. You know, on Twitter, they sending out messages. Let's all meet here. Let's all meet there. And we're going to, 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 to confront the protesters. Then you have the new generation, this new generation coming up of, 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 uh, of people of color. And they're like, look, we're not the 60s, and we're not definitely not the 60s and 70s. We're not going to stand here and take this anymore. It's not happening. Now you got two sides clashing. But no one is understanding what the real truth is. Right? Because nobody's stopping to teach it. Nobody's stopping to inform. You got one side talking about now. Let's stop this now. You got the other side saying, no, let's leave it alone. We want to keep it the way it is, status quo. This is where it has been. This is where it's going to be. We're going to fly our flag at the back of our trucks. We're going to throw stuff and what have you. We don't care. Welcome to 2020. (laughs) Welcome to 2020. And the president that just eggs it on and eggs it on. The 1619 Project, y'all. I would hope, it, like I said, if you haven't um, checked it out, go ahead and check it out. It's some good stuff, man. It really is. And I would highly, highly, yeah, I hope they do teach it in school. Now, the president said California may be teaching it already. Well, good for California. Mm, You know, yeah. 
you know, um, and you know, I'm, I'm looking at this this thing about about the 1619 project, and it says reading guide for the 1619 project essays. Um, and it, it's some good stuff in here, man. It, it really is. It's um, I mean, you can learn some stuff here. It says, how does the author describe capitalism in the USA? How did slavery in the U.S. contribute to the development of the global financial industry? What current financial systems reflect practices developed to support industries built on the work of enslaved people? You know, it's a shame that any time that word slave or enslaved come out, everybody gets the, gets the panties in a bunch. Everybody gets to hide. Everybody was worried. Why? Why? <laughs> you know, it makes so many people uncomfortable. But they don't want to do anything about it. They don't want to say anything about it. So that's the wrong thing to do. Yeah, it's the wrong thing to do. The 1619 Project, Debate with History of Slavery in New York City. Hey, New York City. Y'all remember that commercial? Um, <laughs> oh, Lord. Did y'all know Central Park used to be a, a, a black colony? Y'all didn't know that? And they got ran out? Yeah, Central Park in New York. See, well, something else they're not going to tell you. Christopher Addicts. I don't know how many of y'all remember him. Remember? He wasn't even free slave. He was the first one to die in the Revolutionary War. Really? You know, and, and that's that's the thing. You had blacks fighting for a country where they weren't even free. They weren't even free. But they they went they wanted to fight for a country they lived in. Because they were told they were inferior. They weren't smart enough. But now the smartness is coming out and it scares the heck out of some people. And it should. It should. Because they're going to realize they're not as smart as they thought they were. Or they are. Is. Whatever your English want me to say. <laughs> I don't care. Um, yeah. <laughs> oh, the Wall Street slave market. Now, see, remember I told y'all Wall Street. Everybody think Wall Street is, is called that because of the financial institutions on it. No, that's not why the name came. The Wall Street slave market, established by the City Common Council in 1711 was on the corner of Pearl and Wall Street, where ships docked at the time. I got that. Yeah. Once again, we learn something new, don't we? They don't want you to know that, though, because that goes against the narrative that Wall Street is this great financial um, district. (laughs) It really is not. Um, as Africans built the village, they actually expanded the physical city with landfill. We know that Africans built the original Wall Street Wall and the subsequent Chamber Street, which Chamber Street Wall, 
which was the northern outpost of the city at the time of the American Revolution. A project by Trinity Church has established that enslaved African labor was used to build the original church and St. Paul's Chapel where George Washington prayed and which still stands just south of City Hall. Yeah. Yeah. That's all that's all the there's a part of 1619 project. That's all the information that's there. I mean, it's there. Miss Jones um, did an outstanding job. Here's something else. Please describe how this financial oppression caused the lack of wealth for generation of African Americans. I know some of y'all probably think this is boring, but no, I'm telling you, this is what they. This is this is what they don't want you to know. Most of the financial injustice and the wealth gap we see today. Is the product of ongoing racial discrimination with roots in slavery, but enacted into federal law in the 1930s and 1940s. The New Deal established the principle that federal programs would be administered by localities, which meant that even when African Americans were entitled to government support and jobs, local authorities could deny it to them. We still see that today, don't we? After World War II, African-American soldiers were entitled to GI Bill benefits, but were denied housing and mortgages by local banks and realtors, creating all-white suburbs. Okay. Yeah. Hebrew Truth Music Network. Welcome to the show. Um, Yeah. Prime example, Jesse Owens. Y'all remember, y'all know Jesse Owens went over there and and ran hard for the United States of America. But came back and still had to go through the back door of a restaurant to eat. Yeah. That's where we are. And honestly speaking, there's still some places right here, right now, that you better not go and... Um, <clears throat> You better not go and be there overnight. You better not stop in the daytime in some places. So don't think it's gone. It's masqueraded or covered up, but it is not gone. Originally, Social Security was not extended to agriculture and domestic workers, major occupations for black workers in the 1930s. Social Security benefits are still denied to largely minority domestic and home health care workers, who work off of the books. In other words, you know, you're working just for cash. Many jobs held by African Americans were not covered under the New Deal labor legislation, and blacks in the South were excluded from the programs like the Civil, like the Civilian Conservation Corps. Yeah. It's just more stuff, more stuff. You know, and, and the more I read, the more I'm like, yeah, I got to go looking for some of this. This is outstanding. <clears throat> yeah, it is. Mm-mm-mm. Listen to this. Slavery ended in New York City and state gradually between 1799 and 1827. Essentially, Africans were required to pay for their freedom through unpaid labor during the this transitional time period. When finally free, 
They receive no compensation for their labor or the labor of their enslaved ancestors. Once free, even when they were able to acquire land, it was difficult for African Americans to prove ownership or protect their land from government seizure. One of the greatest injustices was the destruction of the largely African-American Seneca village in the 1850s when the city confiscated their land to build Central Park. I got that right. Go and look it up. African-American Seneca village in the 1850s when the city confiscated their land to build Central Park. If they had not been displaced, their land would be worth billions of dollars today. Politically, there were a series of discriminatory laws limiting the ability of African-American men to vote. Of course, no women were allowed to vote. There it is, right there. <laughs> there it is, right there. Yes. I am reading you from the 1619 Project, Debate with History of Slavery in New York City. This New York City. Now, just imagine this going on down south. And remember, a lot of the, free, the, the, the slaves, once they did become free, they had nowhere to go. So the slave and the old man, they deal with them. Well, you know, if you stay here, we give you land, and you can, you know, what they call sharecropping. Yeah, it sounded good in, in theory, but basically they still were slaves because they couldn't go anywhere. But they had to, to shed it. <sighs> yeah, it was slavery. <laughs> you know, but to them, that was a better thing. And to top it off, do you know that slave owners that lost slaves were actually uh, um, compensated for the loss of their slaves? Or oh, that, 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 that key word that we like to use today. Reparations. They were given reparations for losing their slaves. But every time you bring it up here in this country, and you bring it up now, oh, it's a vow. Nobody wants to talk about it. Of course, it would be hard to, it would be hard, but the conversation needs to be had. Somebody needs to look at it. Georgetown University came up with a plan. And a couple other um, university and colleges. So it's not like it can't be done. It just has to be done creatively. But that conversation doesn't want to be had either. See, all this stuff is in the 1619. This is what should be included in teaching in school. Now, honestly, how many of y'all know were taught in school that Central Park was actually a, a, a black village? Not many, if any. Because you weren't supposed to know that. New York, the city that never sleeps. Because <laughs> apparently you can't sleep, you get your land taken. Um, <laughs> yeah. But anyway, so that is just... Some of the stuff with that, that, that is with the 1619 project. Um, you can go ahead and check it out if you want to. Um, there's some good stuff. There's some good stuff there. 
and if it comes up in your part of the woods, I would say, yeah, vote for it. You know, I think this country would be better if there were, uh, if true history was taught, really truthful history. I really do. Because all the pretenses would be over with then. Everything be out front. If the President of the United States can push for patriotic education, <laughs> is that what he called it? Yeah. Then we can push for the 1619 project. Yeah, that's what he called it. He wants to restore patriotic education in schools in a way to calm unrest in cities and counter lies about racism in the United States. Of course, he wants to say they lies because he wanted the one who practices them. But then again, let's just be talking. Just be talking. Hey, anybody want to add anything to what I'm talking about or you want to contradict what I'm saying? Hey, talk to me. 347-838-8622. I can keep talking though. <laughs> because Hey, it's good. It's good. The sixteen nineteen project. Now I see I have some people who came and came in a little late. Um, yeah. So I know you may be a little bit less about what I'm talking about. So what I'm gonna do once again, I'm gonna play this um, clip here, um, and it's the young lady that did this project. Her name is Nicole Hannah Jones. And um, she's on. She's doing a interview with. Uh, I forgot the little the little guy that comes on late at night, but and she's explaining exactly what the sixteen nineteen project is. Okay, so hang in there, listen, and then we'll be right back. Welcome to the Daily Show. Thank you. And congratulations on creating and working with a group of people on a project that has gone on to become more than just a moment, but rather a rethinking of America's history. Let's start with the why behind this. I mean, history seems like it has been written. So why try and write it again? Well, history has been written, but uh, it's been written to tell us a certain story. And uh, the 1619 Project is trying to reframe that story. And it's really about uh, the ongoing legacy of slavery. We've been taught that slavery was a long time ago. Mm-hmm get over it, which is something nearly every black person in this country hears at some mm-hmm. point. And the 1619 Project is really saying that uh, slavery was so foundational to America and its institutions that we are still suffering from that legacy now, and it's exploring the many ways that we, that we still are. It's interesting that you've chosen the year 1619 because many people would say, but this was before America existed. You know, why not start at America's founding and then not include the years before when this was a colony and Virginia and Britain were involved? So why do you choose that point, and why do you argue, more importantly, that on the 14th, you say on the 400th anniversary of this fateful moment, it is finally time to tell our story truthfully. Yes, so it's funny because this year is also the 400th anniversary of the Mayflower. Yet no one argues that we shouldn't learn about the Mayflower because that predates the United States. We know that that was an important moment. Um, I would argue that the White Lion, which was a ship that arrived a year earlier carrying enslaved Africans, was far more important to the American story uh, than 1620, than the Mayflower. So 
No, America hadn't yet formed, but Virginia was the first colony. Our institutions would come out of the 13 colonies, mm -hmm. uh, our legal system, our cultural system, our political system, and certainly the anti-black racism that we still struggle with is born at that moment. When you, when you start off in this magazine, there's a, there's a really beautiful passage in the beginning where you talk about your personal journey and, and how you struggled with your relationship with America as a country. And, and it's a really beautiful tale you tell about growing up um, you know, on the land where so many people had died and toiled as, as enslaved people. You also talk about how your father was a proud American and how you didn't understand how he could be proud to be American when America seemed to be against him in spite of everything that he did. Yes. How, how did you reconcile that or, or did working through this project change your view on, on how to be American or on how not to be American? Yeah, absolutely working on the project changed my perspective on my father. Um, I opened the piece talking about how my dad, who was born in apartheid Mississippi, mm -hmm. uh, flew this flag in our front yard on this giant flagpole. And he was one of the only black people I knew who flew a flag in their yard, and I was deeply embarrassed by that. Um, but as I started researching for this project, and my essay is really about how black Americans have had this pivotal role of actually turning the United States into a democracy, I got that he understood something that I didn't, that um, no one has a right to take away our citizenship and our rights to think of ourselves as American because so much of what uh, black people have done is what has built this very country that we get to live in today. What do you, what do you mean specifically when you say that? Because that, that, was, that was an idea that I don't think I had fully thought about before I read this magazine, was the concept that America's foundation was a lie in that it, it was a group of promises that weren't, that weren't fulfilled, you know, to, to both people of color and to women in many respects. And, and what you argue in this magazine is that black people basically had the job of making it a truth. What, what, what did you mean by that? Absolutely. So when Thomas Jefferson writes those famous uh, English words, we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, uh, he owns 130 human beings at that time, including some of his own family members. And he understands that uh, one-fifth of the population will enjoy none of those rights and liberties. So we are founded on a hypocrisy, on a paradox. Mm -hmm. But black people read those words and said, oh, we're going to believe that these words are true and apply to us and fight. Again and again, we see them fighting at the revolution. The first person to die uh, for this country was a black na man named Christopher Addicts who wasn't free. We see that happening uh, with the abolitionist movement, largely led by black Americans. We see that happening at the Civil War with the Reconstruction Amendments. And of course, the Civil Rights Movement, which brings the franchise to large segments of uh, America for the first time. Right. So we, we said we were founded as a democratic republic, but most Americans could not vote at the time of the Constitution. Uh, but thanks largely to black resistance and freedom struggles, we are as close to a multiracial democracy uh, as we've ever been. It's, it's, a, it's a really beautiful story in that, in that it's told not through the lens of anger, but rather through the lens of collecting stories. You know, it's, it's, it's the fact that goes it's a, a little story. angry. A little angry? A little. Oh, a little it, doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't feel like okay, anger good. so much as it feels like a truth. <laughs> yeah. You know? What, what, what it has sparked, though, is, is a, a fight over history and how the history is told. Yes. You know, once this magazine came out, there were, there were many historians who, who, you know, came after you and said, no, this is, this is incorrect. The primary reason that America sought its independence from Britain was not because they wanted to maintain slavery. It was because of taxation without representation. It, it wasn't the primary cause. Why do you think there's such a resistance to slavery being one of the primary causes of America breaking away from Britain? 
Because we need to believe as a country that uh, our founding was pure, that yes, you know, we had some troubles, including um, holding 500,000 people in bondage, mm -hmm. um, but that largely we were a nation founded to be exceptional and these uh, majestic ideas and that our founders, uh, though complicated men, were men who were righteous. But when you argue um, that our founders were, many of them, very hypocritical and that you can't just simply overlook the mm -hmm. fact that slavery was a motivation in some of the colonies. Yes, taxation was a motivation, but also uh, the ability to keep making a lot of money off of human bondage. Right. That is very unsettling, uh, not just to the average American, but to historians who have seen their job as protecting that founding narrative. The difference is, you know, when you're black in this country, you don't have the luxury of pretending that that history didn't exist. And right. what that history has done is really marginalized our story um, when really the story of black people and slavery is central to the uh, United States. When you, when you worked through this project, there are new pieces of information you discover. There, there are stories that you find were never told that need to be told. And I know you can't write about everything, but I was interested in whether or not you would think that other countries who are involved in slavery get off easier than the United States because the one thing they did differently to America as we know it is that they sort of outsourced slavery. You know, if you think about whether it was the Americas or Spain or many of these other colonial nations, their slaves were in yes. the countries and then they left those countries and were like, we're done with slavery, but they also don't have to deal with the people they enslaved, whereas America has an interesting relationship where you have to deal with the people because they're still here. So not to, not, just, not to feel sorry for America, but do you think there's also a reckoning that should happen in this way in Europe, maybe? Oh, for sure. All the colonial powers need to have a reckoning, and reckoning also needs to happen on the continent of Africa. But I, I think the fundamental difference, there's two, yes, uh, slavery occurred in the bounds of the country that would become America. Right. Um, but also, of those Colonial powers, America's the only country that was founded on the idea of individual rights and liberties. Interesting. That was founded on the idea of God-given inalienable rights. Um, none of those other European, I mean, these were monarchies. They weren't founded on the idea that every person had equal rights, but we were. So that hypocrisy really matters. And, um, of course, I argue that that hypocrisy is why we have struggled so much to get over and address the issue of slavery, because it forces us to acknowledge this lie at our founding. Before you go, one of the main questions many people may have, and you see this unfortunately all too often, is people saying, why do you have to keep trudging this up? Can't we just move on? It's been 400 years now. Can't we just move on? What do you hope would be sparked by the conversations that come from a magazine that delves into slavery like this? What, what, do, you, what do you want someone who sits at home and says, they go, Nicole, I'm, I'm white and I, I have nothing to do with this and I don't know what you want me to do. What would you hope people take away? Uh, that's a great question. Let me just say, for the record, nobody wants to get over slavery more than black folks. Uh, it's not... <laughs> <laughs> it's not to our benefit, right? So it, the, the fact that our nation can't get over slavery has not benefited black people for a single day. But that's the problem. We've never dealt with the harm that was done. I'm 43 years old, and my father was born into a Mississippi where Black people couldn't vote. Black people couldn't use public facilities. That was all perfectly legal. We're not far removed from this past at all. And there's never been uh, any effort to redress that harm. So what I hope that people will take from the magazine, every single story in the magazine starts with America today mm -hmm. and shows how these things about American life that you think are unrelated to slavery actually are. And I hope by confronting that truth, maybe we can finally start to repair the harm that was done and then finally uh, start to live up to be the country of our ideals. 
It's a fantastic job. Fantastic magazine. Really wonderful having you on the show. Thank you so much. To learn more. All right. And that that's the young lady, um, Miss Nicole Hannah Jones, um, the author of the sixteen nineteen project. And I couldn't explain it any better than what she just did right there. You know, as she was speaking though, um, my mind went to work and work and working. And I thought about something. Uh, Martin Luther King Jr. in nineteen sixty-three, um, he said something that was very interesting and you know, if you really think about it, it's very prevalent today as well. And he said, it is obvious today that America has defaulted on its promissory note insofar as her citizens of color are concerned. Instead of honoring this sacred obligation, America has given this colored people a bad check, a check that has come back marked insufficient funds. And that's 1963. And that's part of um, his have I, I have a dream speech, you know. And, and as she was talking, that just kept popping in my head, kept popping in my head. So I had to go and find it and read it for you, <clears throat> because basically, uh, that's what this is, is saying. Basically, you know, look, it's time to bring that check back, okay? And it's time to collect on that check. You know, all these years we've gone and and let you go on with that bad, you know, continue working with this bad check that you've given us, and we've tried to make it through it, through it, through But time is over with. We want our, our good check. You know, we want what we deserve. We want it. You know, we want uh, to be taught the truth about how our ancestors helped build this country, how our ancestors helped um Create and event all these great things that this country has claimed to, as their own. Yeah, it's time. All these years we've been taught what the president calls patriotic uh, education. Yeah, that's what he wants patriotic education. And as I said before, his definition of patriot, it sounds more like North Korea, China, you know, communist type of stuff, but they're not going to say that. But we all know down, you know, deep down, that's what he wants. He wants to be the dictator. He wants to be the guy that's in office for 37, 38 years. That's not going to happen. So my advice would be get into the 1619 Project. Let's get some push going. And, and, and let's get this stuff taught, the real truth, not just the whitewashed version that a lot of us have been taught over our, our many years. But you know what's so interesting, you know, the, the interesting part about it is even though instructors, a lot of instructors teach this, if you were to write a paper and you include a little bit of real history in it, you know, a lot of them aren't surprised by what you put in that paper. Some of them actually commend you for it. And, and that, that's a, a whole different thought process right there when you really sit back and think about it. It's not they don't know the truth. It's we don't know the truth. And being that we don't know the truth, we don't push for it. Think about that. You know, 
it's time to stop being passive, y'all. It's time, it's time to take what what is ours. Now, I'm not telling you go out there and burn nothing or anything like that. But hey, we have children to raise of our own now. You know, educate them. You know, we used to have something in the army say, reach one, teach one, or train the trainer. Yeah. Educate them. It'd be, it'd be fun. And you'd be surprised at the, the, the results. And I think that's where we are now with these protests and things of that nature. You know, the ones that are, are actually out there peacefully protesting. They have waken up. They realize there is more. There's more for us than what we have been given. And they're tired of waiting. As Martin Luther King said, they tired of, you know, they taking that insufficient check, tearing it up and said, okay, I'm coming for the real thing now. I've given you a chance to make good on this check. You haven't made good on this check. So I'm coming to get mine now. And the funny part about it is that you're kind of using um, Malcolm X theory as well, by any means necessary. We're not going to be passive. We're not going to let you beat on us. We've done that enough. That's why we're here now. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to stop while I'm ahead. <laughs> I am going to stop while I'm ahead. But, yeah. So, basically what I'm saying is, go and check out the 1619 Project. New York, what is it? New York Times. Yeah, New York Times. 1619project.com. It's out there, man. A lot of great information. You know, a lot of good reading, you know, and help. you can educate yourself as well. And don't be ashamed to say you don't know, because we know. All of us don't know a lot of things about our own. We know. Because we haven't been taught our own. We haven't, we haven't been introduced to it. So now is the time. Now is the time to do it. The time is right. The time is right. To push back on the status quo that has been that's been over us for many, many, many years. Yeah. That's what I'm gonna say. Alright, so I'm done. I'm not saying anything else. If anybody else don't have anything else to say. We're going to take you out here with some nice, easy music today. Yeah, because I came out banging, y'all. You missed the first music. Oh, boy, I was rocking. But, you know, we're going to take it easy going out of here. I want to say thank you, everybody that was listening and everybody that will be listening. If, by chance, you know, you want to follow the show, just click follow on the show page. Um, you can always send me an email at ericletslets, talk at gmail.com. Or Instagram at Eric Jackson two zero one. Okay, so if that is it, let me go and bring you this music once again. This has been Let's Talk on Blog Talk Radio. I'm your host, Mr. Talk Fair. Y'all have a great week, and we'll hopefully we'll be back in next week with another outstanding show for you. Enjoy. Remember, keep smiling, show appreciation, forgive with open heart, but make sure you forgive yourself first. And the biggest best thing. Don't stop living, man. Don't stop living. Keep it going. All right? Choose. See ya.
It's a brand new day Sunlight beaming Through the window shade A cup of coffee With a morning kiss Enjoy myself today On the top of my list Ain't nothing on TV I don't need the blues So I grab the keys Time to take a cruise Windows down As I roll in the jet Not bad for a black boy Who thought he'd never have Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.